One of my favorite quotes by Emerson, to be yourself in a world that is constantly trying to make you something else is the greatest accomplishment. And then Osho, very long quote here. I mean, Osho's a boss. He's got a bad rap because they discredited him with a bunch of whatever. And I don't really care much about what the man did or didn't do. I care about what his ideas were. No society wants you to become wise. It is against the investment of all societies. If people are wise, they cannot be exploited. If they are intelligent, they cannot be subjugated. They cannot be forced into a mechanical life to live like robots. They will assert their individuality. They will have the fragrance of rebellion around them. They will like to live in freedom. Freedom comes with wisdom intrinsically. They are inseparable and no society wants people to be free. The communist society, the fascist society, the capitalist society, the Hindu, the Mohammedan, the Christian, no society would like their people to use their own intelligence because the moment they start using their intelligence, they become dangerous. Dangerous to the capital E establishment. Dangerous to the people who are in power. Dangerous to the haves. Dangerous to all kinds of oppression, exploitation, suppression. Dangerous to the churches. Dangerous to the states. Dangerous to the nations. In fact, a wise man is a fire, alive, a flame. But he cannot sell his life. He cannot serve them. He would like rather to die than to be enslaved. Osho. Phew. That's some heavy, truthful truth. Heavy truth. Truthful truth. <laughs> this is something I want to make very clear. Most people believe when you talk about how broken society is, or you complain about the C word or anything's going on in the world today, they think you're suggesting there's some cabal of individuals in a dark room somewhere, shadowy figures that you've seen them, as you might see in the movies, basically directing how the things are going to go. But that's not the case at all. Buddy of mine, Svetsky, on, a, on his podcast had a good, this is the perfect way, because I've referenced this multiple times. The perfect way to think about this is governments, politicians, billionaires, these people move like flocks of birds or a flock of birds, right? And they kind of go in similar directions, but it doesn't mean they're all consciously deciding where they're going. It's kind of monkey see, monkey do. And then this person tries something and maybe they get some good or bad press from it. And then this person jumps on and does that or defends that person, text person. It's all a bunch of random happenstance with a little bit of conscious effort thrown in because humanity is just not that advanced. We're just not that good at controlling things and bringing things come about, whatever. It's a very messy process. I mean, look how ineffective the US government was in Iraq. Two or three trillion dollars? And we couldn't even beat some rebels with old dusty Russian AKs. Like, it's kind of insane. And then Vietnam War, we lost there as well. Again, global superpower, not that effective when we're talking about small arms, guerrilla warfare. It's very hard to do anything at that kind of scale. And the bigger something gets, the bigger government gets, the bigger a conflict gets, the bigger geopolitics gets, the harder it is to make a decision and then have a feedback loop where you kind of know what happens from that decision. And then you know what also doesn't happen and or does happen down the line and all these second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth, and 10th order effects. Things that we literally, the human brain, the human, a human group, a human state cannot track or account for. That's why it's a slow erosion over time. That's why the U.S. government has been this imperial superpower bully of the world, basically, since World War II. And it's taken years for massive money printing and all their intervention and the economy, the stock market, other countries, all the imperialism, United Fruit Corporation or company or whatever, and all the BS that has been going on for a long time now that 
the elites in Washington have always said is for democracy, for freedom, when it's always been about money, power, and control. Us tax-paying citizens fund these things. Uh, we don't really have any say in the matter, so it's not like we are culpable or liable. But in some ways, by just putting our head down and saying that is the way it is, you know, we kind of are culpable, I guess you could say. <laughs> it's kind of sad. I don't want it to get into discussion about the state. It's more discussion about society and the masses. Whenever there is a mass of people and there are some that benefit from controlling them, whether it's the nobility, whether it's the state, uh, whether it's a communist, a fascist, it doesn't matter. You have lots and lots of humans. The only physical way to be able to control them and prevent them from rioting and to get them to pay their taxes and to get them to follow the rules, the only way to do that is through information. Again, people think you're talking about some evil cabal or some mastermind plan ahead of time that people devised and then set out to make the world this way. And then now they control everything. It's just not as simple as that. And that's why I call them accidental conspiracies, because what they are, are they are different market forces, world forces, social forces that come to be and people come in and they say, how do I benefit from this? Or how do I avoid negatively being affected from this? And they do things. And it just stacks one thing on top of another, one incentive on top of another, one disincentive on top of another. And then over time, you get what is considered the status quo, which is the social consensus, which is how things are done. And then that ossifies, it calcifies, you could say, into the way things are. And then when it's power and there's money and there's a lot of people that benefit from the system, the cantillionaires and the political elite and rich corporations and this and that, when these different people and their incentives align, they work and use their power, influence, money, and control to maintain the system because that's how they benefit from it, by it staying alive. So you could say, well, that is a conspiracy because now they're trying to prop up the status quo. Uh, they bought all these media companies and they're using that to get certain people elective and not certain people elective and to give certain uh, press coverage if it basically stokes the flame of tribalism, us first them, black first white. Now it's he versus she or him, it, that, or whatever, all that pronoun nonsense. Is that on purpose? Is that a conspiracy? In some ways, yeah. In some ways, not. At least the way most people consider conspiracy. Now, when it comes to conspiracy, every day I wake up, I conspire to make money and take care of my family and feel good and exercise. And then if those things come to me, you could say that was a conspiracy theory or it was an actual conspiracy because I went out and did that and I got these things, and that's me conspiring. The word itself is funny, but this is also why Socrates made such a big deal about using questions, because what he found is that most people, when they speak, they don't know what they're talking about. They don't even know the definitions of the words they use. How do we agree on anything? How can we debate on anything if the words that you use are not the same as the words I use? This is the muddiness of human communication. And when it gets politicized and propagandized and ran through what is the mainstream media, which is their entire business model is based on getting attention and clicks and likes and whatever. And they use fear to do that because people are more likely to click on that and watch that. You get a lot of very mismatched incentives. People want truth. They want to know what's going on in an unbiased way. But then you have a news organization that isn't incentivized to give you truth because either they're a big donor to the Democratic Party and the people on the board are left-leaning or right-leaning or whatever. These things then get ossified into the way things are. And to change that, because the law of inertia that gets built into these things that benefit some people and they live their entire lives trying to maintain that system and the people that want to come from the outside are seen as invaders and then so they defend and whatever. It just becomes this ridiculous 
uh, it, it really is a, a war, actually. It's a war of freedom and truth versus control and mistruth, half-truth propaganda. So like, obviously there's a million ways to go with this. We could talk about what's going on in the current world. We could talk about like how this parallels everything. We could just go on and on and on about how broken everything is. It's just another step in helping you think for yourself. Think alone, think independently. Can you actually form thoughts that have not been influenced by the culture that you live in, the parents you were raised by, the political party that you might associate with? Do you think you can actually do that? And this is where Nietzsche's overman concept comes in. He believed when he recognized this, he called it uh, the death of God, basically. And it was the meaning crisis. As John Vernanke talks about today, it's basically Nietzsche all over again. And Nietzsche figured out that the Christian morality that most people subscribe to was failing. It was failing for various reasons. And people didn't know what to do. They didn't know what to believe. They didn't know like, where do we put our trust? And how do we reconcile this idea of death? And what's the meaning of life? And that created a lot of problems. And what it eventually did is it toppled the church, which had the monopoly on everything. The church usually in the state were either basically working together or the church was the state, and you know, depending on where you were. Uh, but either way, the church was heavily, heavily in control of the information, which gave them the power of all humanity. The new church today is a combination of scientism with a capital S, propaganda through things like critical race theory and black first white, and it's all unfair and this, that. And then it was the war on terror for a while. And then it was the war on drugs. It's always a war on something that is supposed to convince you that you should be afraid and that the government needs to spend money and kill people to basically fix this thing of which they never fix. And most of these things are not in our everyday lives, but because they assault us, they barrage us with these things we should care about and be afraid of. Well, people glued to their TV and glued to the mainstream media. That's exactly what they do. And it is just the newest form of the state slash church having control over information and therefore having a monopoly on humanity. So I encourage you to start your red pill journey by realizing just how broken everything is, absolutely figuring out how to think for yourself. And so again, back to the overman concept before I let you go, Nietzsche believed that you had to first go from the camel, which is you're burdened with society and your responsibilities and your you know, thoughts and beliefs that have been given to you by the world you were born into. And then you have to shed those and become the lion in one roar. You say, no, enough is enough. And then not, the lion represented courage and anger and kind of independence. But the lion wasn't able to actually be rebirthed to build new meaning and beliefs and basically entirely new perspective on life. It had to become the child. So the metamorphosis was a three-part stage. This is his overman or superman concept. It's this idea that humans should try to become a better version of themselves and be a role model for all of humanity to aspire to by rising above your base instincts, by shedding every single dogma and belief and idea that the culture around you and the people around you have basically incepted into your brain. And then starting as a child, the final phase is to become a child again. And then through a childlike state of play, you rebirth your ideals and your meaning and your beliefs, and you completely shed the old way of doing it. And you're able to see things clearly, find truth and build your own meaning and your own life. It's basically the hero's journey in a lot of ways, but it's kind of the hero's journey for humanity to throw off the chains of society and culture and the masses, all things that the state, 
no matter what period of time, the state or the elites or the nobility, whatever, they control, they monetize, and they keep people basically plugged into the matrix. Hope you start your red pill journey. Thanks for being here. You can subscribe to the podcast on your favorite uh, podcast app and uh, as well as YouTube. I'm over there as well. Just search my name or go to thebetterhuman.co and get the Better Human newsletter now sending twice a week because I found out that's the right dose of content to help you become a better human and wake up, take your own red pill journey, and I'll see you in the next one.